Good evening, citizens, youth. Good evening. You guys can start to make your way back to your chairs. Hey, my name's Will. It's great to be with you guys. Um, I know a lot of you know me, but for those of you who don't, I'm an intern here on staff. I'm good friends with Noah, and uh, it's, it's exciting to bring the word tonight. If you're new and you haven't met me, please come say hi. I love to meet new people. I'm very friendly most of the time. Um, and so... Yeah, I'd love to meet you, and uh, I'm excited. Hey, the title for this message tonight is Calling All, Calling All. Um, I used to hear a specific type of radio ad when I was driving in the car, and it would go a little bit something like this growing up. I'd hear this, Calling All Couch Lovers to the Lazy Boy Sales Event. And it was like, first of all, what is a couch lover? And second of all, why, am, why is this on the radio? And you get some pretty obscure ones like, calling all rat lovers to the rat bonanza this Saturday, right? Just total random stuff. We see this even with the fair, right? Calling all kids, the Clark County Fair. Um, and, and in addition to that, um, when I was growing up, being a turd I was, um, me and my friends would like to prank call. And I'm not condoning this sort of behavior, but um, we were really smart at it, and we decided to continue to call the only one Washougal um, McDonald's that there was. And so after about the second or third call, I think they caught on to the squeaky adolescent voices and uh, said some things to us. And it was then I decided that I wasn't going to just call the McDonald's. I was going to now not stop, but call all the stores and fast food restaurants in the area. But we jump in um, another week in our Psalms, our summer in the Psalms. And this, this book, known as the Psalms, would have been the songbook of Israel. These would have been songs and hymns and spiritual songs that people would sing. And tonight we're going to jump into what would be the shortest psalm in the songbook. And it's actually the shortest uh, chapter of Scripture in the Bible. Um, and we're going to read it twice. This is going to be Psalm 117. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bible or in your notes. Psalm 117 says this, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This is God's Word. We're going to read this one more time. Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all people, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. You bow your heads and pray with me. God, I'm thankful to get to bring forth your word. Lord, I pray that your word would bring forth change and regeneration in the lives of these students, God. So I ask this in your name, Jesus, tonight. Amen. Uh, what our passage illustrates to us tonight in verse 1 is this idea of a call for all. The call for all. And I want to start out by specifying what I mean by a call. Um, a call in this sense is a command. You could think of this as a command for all. That's how I want you to think of it. And so verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. And I want to stop here first at the opening word in our passage tonight being praise. What is praise? We hear all about praise and worship in church, but sometimes we gloss over it. And the command for the scriptures is for all people to praise the Lord. And praise looks like singing songs and hymns to the Lord. 
Um, some of us in here, I, I, I can relate um, at a younger point in my faith. Maybe we're kind of tired of singing, right? We come to church and we're like, what are we doing? Why are we singing right now? And I can totally relate to that. But this is a form of musical worship that we offer to God. And I was talking to Noah earlier this afternoon, and, and what Noah said is that praise is making much of his name. Praise is making much of God's name. And the command to praise from the scriptures is driven in through the continuous appearance of it. Uh, praise appears more than 100 times in most Bible translations in the Psalms alone. Uh, Psalm 104, Psalm 105, Psalm 106, 111, 112, 113. I could go all day where the term praise the Lord is used. And so this is what we are called to. This is what the scriptures command us to do. And the repetition is for good reason. Because praise is of importance. You aren't too cool to sing in church. You're not too weird to do it in front of your friends. And I want to note that we also must praise in all circumstances, right? It's not always easy to have a good attitude when stuff's going on in your life, right? When you're feeling pain and hurt and heartache, it's not always easy to praise, but we have to. And your praise sometimes could even look like crying out to God saying, God, where are you? But at the end, it's always going to say, you know what, Lord, I feel distant, but I'm still going to trust you. And on another hand, we love, to other, we love to praise other things than the Lord too, right? And we see this all throughout the scriptures. In the classic example of Exodus, Moses is going up and he's on the mountain for an extended period of time. And the Israelites have a few couple of rules to keep them in place. And one of those is that you shouldn't worship other gods or make false idols. And it's simple enough, you'd think. But what do the people do? Right? They make a golden calf and start praising it. And we do the same thing. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and the birds and animals and creeping things. That's Romans 1. There's an exchange that takes place when we choose to praise and worship mortal things. And it isn't a good one. As humans, uh, we, we tend to prioritize things right? We put things on the throne of our lives, so to speak. And I'm just as bad. This is a daily challenge and failure of mine as well. In our sin, we choose our own desires and God's little g over the true and living God of the scriptures. And to the unbeliever in the room, the one having questions, uh, I would just simply ask you, uh, do the things that you praise and prioritize help you out? Are those giving you life do you feel good? Um, can the idols of your heart save you from death? Can you save yourself from death? Don't praise things with no power. Praise God. We should offer our hearts to the Lord in musical worship, and He hears you. The call is to praise God, to sing of His mercies and His truth. Praise the Lord, right? That's verse 1. But, but who does this go forth to? Because to the Jew in this period in which the psalm was being written, it would have been very easy to say, we are God's people, therefore we are the ones who sing. But our text tonight doesn't say, let Israel praise the Lord. But what it says is, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, right? All nations, 
all peoples. The Psalms are also prophetic, meaning they spoke of things ahead of time to come. And this Psalm is a clear demonstration of that. For one, the gospel or testimony of Jesus Christ and the perfect life that he lived, substitutionary or taking our place, substitutionary death and resurrection or rising from the dead while here on earth um, was mirrored in advance. And we see this in this psalm, that this message, this praise of God for what he's done is going to go forth to all peoples. Jesus himself tells his disciples after his crucifixion and before ascending into heaven this. He says in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. What Jesus says is go, meaning take action, right? And make disciples of all groups. This is a command from the Lord. How many of us have gotten some good news in here before, right? We've, we've heard some good news. It could be as simple as you forgot to bring a pencil to school and um, somebody shared one with you and said, hey, I got a pencil you can use. Um, it could be as simple as your mom bringing home some food to you uh, when you're at home and she says, hey, I got some food down here. Now, that might be the best news ever, second to the gospel. My mom willingly or unwillingly loves to share her food with me. Um, and I have to say, after coming back from a long day of work or exploring, um, opening the garage fridge to see a nice cold mod pizza might be the best feeling of all time. And I might not always ask if I can eat that pizza before I do, um, but it makes me happy nonetheless. That's besides the facts. When we get amazing news that makes us feel great, we go and tell everyone, right? And whatever our motive might be, we tell everybody. Um, on a negative sense, I used to love coming to school my sophomore year and tell everybody at school how awesome the basketball games that I played that weekend were, and that wasn't for good motive. But this idea of good news demands people to respond and to tell. Um, when people win the lottery, right, everybody finds out. When family members get better from sickness, the news goes forth. Why? Well, because good news is to be shared. And I want to say with an understanding heart that I understand that those of you as students in this room are young, okay? I, I completely relate to you. I'm not far out of school. And I understand that you're young, but I want to encourage you guys tonight to share the good news of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers to all who would believe and repent of their sins. You know, if our only time talking about Jesus is at youth group or with our parents at home sometimes, then we aren't completing this mission of a call to all people. We are to be witnesses of Christ and share this treasure that we've found. This is the call for all, right? This is the call or the command that we should proclaim the gospel. When we share the gospel, we rely on God's strength and His Holy Spirit to change the heart. But that doesn't mean that we lay idly by and don't do anything about it, 
and relax. We are to be messengers of this truth. The gospel isn't just good news like a lottery ticket or a family member getting better. It's, it's the best news, right? It's amazing. It is awesome. It is the greatest news that ever will be, okay? And so this is to be shared. I think it would be also very easy to read verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, all nations, extol him, all peoples, and think that you need to go and um, buy a plane ticket and get off to Zambia or Russia or Zimbabwe to go and fulfill the gospel. Um, But I just want to say that there's a mission in this country right now. There are hearts that need to hear the gospel, people who don't know. And while you might be called to worldwide missions, maybe that's what God has for you. I don't want to diminish from that. Uh, I, I want you guys to look to groups of people who don't have the gospel in our own country and start here. Start in your schools. Start on your sports team. Start having conversations. And I was having a conversation with a coworker a few months ago when I was working at a job in a restaurant. And she was asking me, well, Will, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do? And so I, I explained to her, I said, you know, I want to be a pastor. And, and she kind of gave me a look like, a little bit of confusion there. And like, what, like what's a pastor? And like, is that a priest or what are you doing? And I said, well, essentially as a pastor, I want to preach the word and preach the gospel. And she, she, she thought that was okay. And she looked at me and she said, what's the gospel? This is a, this is a 36-year-old woman in, in America, right? She has, a, she has a cell phone. She has friends. She's not living under a rock. And this is somebody in our space that doesn't know the gospel. Um, there are so many people who have never heard or heard good reason for the gospel and, and for Jesus. But what our text belabors and continues to say and, and expresses the importance of all people being brought into the fold of God. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 15 um, and he quotes Psalm 117. He says this in, in Romans 15:8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, and this is where Psalm 117 is quoted by Paul. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles or peoples and nations, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Christ becomes a servant to show God's truthfulness and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. We as Gentiles have been brought into salvation by the grace of the Lord. How marvelous is that? This is where we see a limitless love in our passage a limitless love. Verse 2 of our passage tonight in Psalm 117. For great is his steadfast love toward us, 
and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. I just want to ask tonight, do you guys feel loved? Are there people in your life that you feel like give you love and love you? Right? I was thinking of this idea of the love of God in contrast to the love of the world, and we all see it on a day-to-day basis. The text encourages and reminds us that the Lord's love is what remains, and it is for that which we praise Him and sing to Him. People come and go. This life will let us down. Our sin has left us for dead in the flesh, but God made us alive, and those who put their faith in Christ have the promise that He will never leave nor forsake them. That's love. Verse 2 of our passage, for great is His steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Now, I want to take a shot here at describing the faithfulness of the Lord as best as I can. This is going to be a little clanky, but we're going with it. Um, How many of us ever asked our parents the age-old question, are we there yet, when we were on a super long road trip? I got Scott. Cool. Thank you for responding to that. Well, I would assume that most of us have asked this question before, right? Maybe you're driving down to California, you're driving to wherever, I don't know. I've been to like 10 states, but I've been on some road trips, and, and maybe you're, you're on a road trip as a kid, and you're going, man, this is taking forever, right? When is this going to end? Are we there yet? It seems to never end. It keeps going. And on a positive flip side, if you think with me, what if a trip like that didn't ever end and it just kept going? But what if it was something positive rather than negative, like are we there yet? What if it was how wonderful is this that it keeps going, right? That it never ends. This is the Lord's love. It is limitless. It's all-powerful. It's never-ending. In a similar fashion, Paul who we talked about earlier from Romans 15, is a minister of this steadfast love, of this promise to a group known as the Gentiles. Bum, bum, bum. So who are the Gentiles? Well, it's us. Anybody who's not born into the ethnic culture of Judaism, we are Gentiles. And so proclaiming this news to all people, including us, not just the Jews, in Paul's mind, is what he says fulfills the ministry of Christ. At one time, if not everybody in this room as a Gentile or pagan, would have been seen as an enemy of the Jewish people and of God. But Christ provides good news not just to the Jew, but to all groups. This love from God that never ends has been lavished upon all whom He saves. Along with the love that never ends are God's promises which I personally think demonstrate his love pretty well. Our text tonight says this again in verse 2. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. A gospel promise was made a long time ago, as early as the Garden of Eden, um, after the first sin, but I'm referring to one that God made to Abraham. Long, long ago, even before Christ, God made a promise to Abraham. If you all want to turn to Galatians 3.7 in your Bibles, Galatians 3.7, we'll have it up on the screen too. 
Galatians 3.7 says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those of faith are sons of Abraham or are brought into this promise. Galatians 3, verse 8, what we just read says, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Do you see that parallel with our passage? All the nations. Abraham was blessed and justified for his faith in the Lord and his promises. And the gospel news is that anyone who comes to the Lord in faith and belief can enter into his hands as a child of God. This is why Jesus says, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Let's strive to enter God's kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. Do you see the limitless love of God in this? Do you see his faithfulness even when we're not faithful? God makes a perfect world and his people turn. He gives them simple commandments and they turn. Picture his frustration, right? He gives them kings and prophets and rulers and judges and they turn. They disregard it. God is great at keeping his end of the promise, but we as humans are really terrible at keeping ours. All have turned aside from God. Humanity has rejected the Lord and His ways. And we do this every way, every day in some way, shape, or form when we sin. And if we think about how God must be feeling, feeling continuing to love a creation that hates Him, He must have some pretty good patience. His love must be steadfast. And this is the idea of a steadfast love. What does God do even when we had turned away? Does he leave us where we were in separation from ourself? No, he faithfully provides a way in the gospel through his son, Jesus. This is the ultimate picture of God's steadfast love towards us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest picture of love of steadfast love and faithfulness is what we see in the cross, in Christ laying down his life. And if you're wrestling with that truth this evening, I would encourage you to keep thinking about it. Because if we praise our idols and we continue to turn from God, we will one day die. And those out of the faith will get what they spent their lives asking for, which is eternal separation from God and judgment in hell. But if we trust the Lord and praise Him for His mighty and wondrous deeds in saving us out of our depravity, out of our sin, in our desolation by ourselves, we will be saved from destruction, much more into eternal life and community with Jesus Christ. I want to close with this tonight from Acts. This is Acts 11 verse 15. This is Peter speaking. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. 
And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Jew or Gentile, rich or poor, tall or short, Greek or Hebrew, slave or free man, God gives the same gift of salvation and regeneration. This is why we praise the Lord. This is why we can say, praise the Lord. And this is why we can extol Him. This is also why we share the good news of the gospel. The Lord's love calls all people to praise. The Lord's love calls all people to praise. Isn't this great news? What a God to praise and what a love to sing of. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we're thankful uh, for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. And so I pray as we go about our days, Lord, would we, would we echo the psalm that says, praise the Lord. Would we extol him? And as we're given a chance to do here in just a minute with worship, God, thank you for this night. Thank you for your truth. We pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.